All right, folks, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. Today, again, we have Mr. Mike Yarborough. Really excited to share this episode with you. I know I say that every time, but it's true. Uh, today, we're going to talk about homosexuality and transgenderism. It's something that both of us have been looking to talk about on our podcasts. So uh, this is a good opportunity to do so. And it turned out to be a great conversation. Very enlightening to me. Uh, I was blessed to hear his viewpoints on some of this stuff. Um, and I think you will be as well. With that in mind, though, if you've got some young ones that you don't quite want to have that conversation with them yet, um, totally understand if you want to sit this one out, uh, especially if you got young ones in the car or something like that. But it is a great conversation, comes from a Christian viewpoint. Uh, it's going to get the gears turning a little bit in your brain as to how we as Christians start dealing with some of these issues. Um, and again, I thank Mike for being willing to have that conversation with me. Uh, that being said, make sure you're sharing this podcast episode with people in your life that need to hear it, whether it's young men, young women, particularly young men uh, who need good examples of Christian leadership and masculinity around them. Uh, you can find us on social media, especially Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you're finding us there and sharing it as well. Uh, but most importantly, keep getting the message out and keep making sure the men around you are encouraged in their lives of faith and service to each other. Without any further ado, again, Mr. Mike Yarborough. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Okay, cool. We're back with uh, Mike Yarborough. You go by Mike usually, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, he, we had him on last time. He's the founder and curator of Wolf and Iron. Uh, he owns Rustic in Maine, where they make wooden rings, well, and rings of other materials too, uh, yep. and uh, all kinds of other cool stuff going on. Uh, definitely cool to hear your story as a as a phase two entrepreneur, if that if that uh, if that term works out, um, sure. but. Uh, one of the reasons that I ran into you um, online, <laughs> that, the reason that I discovered your podcast, which is where I became familiar with you, um, is that you, you were putting out uh, content for men on your Wolf and Iron podcast, and uh, I, I really started to connect with what you were saying. So um, today what we want to talk about is getting into transgenderism and homosexuality, which we haven't talked about at all on my podcast. It sounds like you guys haven't talked about it a whole lot over there either. Um, so kind of getting into that, um, and it's definitely something that's important as men. We need to be talking about it, especially as Christian men. Uh, it's something yeah. it's definitely, uh, affecting our world and affecting, well, I say it's, it's a part of daily life at this point. So it's something we need to yep. be addressing. Uh, so I guess starting off on, on that trend, like what's, <laughs> what's going on with men? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that I've actually avoided talking about to some degree, not because I don't, um, have anything to say on it. I got a lot of things to say on it. Uh, in fact, we could probably go for two hours on this discussion, but the, it really is because we hear so much about it and usually from the, the positive side, but then we also, we just basically hear two extremes on these things, right? We hear the LGBT, uh, supporters and, and a very kind of emotional argument. Usually this is what the media kind of props up. 
And then we hear more of a logical, rational, and a very kind of quick argument from the, you know, the other side. And what we don't have is that sort of in-between, that sort of in-the-middle conversation. So that's one of the reasons I've said, look, until I can really spend some time talking about this and really do this well, I don't want to bring it up. You know, I don't know if I was hoping it would just go away, but, uh, you know, I live in Charlotte, and uh, it's, it's pretty evident. I mean, we have a lot of homosexuals here, uh, you know. We have, oh, more than normal, I guess, uh, most places in the U.S. Um, yeah, as does Milwaukee, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you know, transgenderism is, is on the rise. Uh, I know people who are, you know, seeking to go through that or are kind of like in this state of kind of questioning, like, am I a guy, am I a girl, that kind of stuff. And so, and then obviously we see it just constantly on TV shows, it's being propped up. And so there's a number of conversations here that, that needs to be had. You know, there's the conversations of what rights do people have? And there's also the conversations of uh, what is right? And then there's, you know, the conversation, what is best? You know, what do we want to actually want to support as a, as a culture? Um, and so those are the kind of the things that obviously aren't happening um, really in the, in the sort of the mainstream media. I don't even like to use that term because it's, that even that term bothers me. But <laughs> in, in the typical kind of normal run-of-the-mill run kind of uh, news that you would see, those conversations aren't happening, but they are happening. Um, you know, they should be happening uh, more often in podcasts and, and things like that. And especially, I think they actually should be happening a lot at church and there should be safe environments where people can come in of different beliefs and sort of talk about these things from different perspectives and, uh, and kind of, if they can't reach a conclusion, they can at least reach some understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, uh, to, to frame our conversation to start with, um, just, uh, what it really comes down to is, um, why is it a problem? You know what I'm saying? Like, why yeah. is it, we would look at it as Christians. I'm, uh, I guess I'm projecting here, assuming you have similar beliefs to myself, but um, Scripture is very clear about what sex looks like and what marriage looks like, um, and that transgender and homosexuality model does not fit into um, the, those parameters. Yep. Um, and so I, that's where it, all this conversation for Christians has to start, is sure. saying this is... Whether you want to use the, I know the word perversion is a strong word. And you probably wouldn't want to use that um, in a different setting, especially a more public setting, you know, involved with media, because that would just be an uproar. Um, but what it really is is it's a perversion of God's created created order and what He has, you know, gifted us in the gift of sex. Um, yeah. And I think that's where we kind of have to start, and it goes both directions. Is um, a it is sin, and sin is sin is sin. Like there isn't. Um, you can't take this particular sin and put it up on a pedestal and say this is far worse than you know umpteen other sins. You also yep. can't, I'm, if you really logically look at it, and I might get some backfire for this among my own circles, but if you really look at it, like you can't even say it's worse um, or greater sin than having sex outside of marriage or stealing a car. I mean, sin is sin is sin. And when you start living that lifestyle of sin, that's where we head down the direction where our paths diverge. Um, and I think this void develops particularly um, politically uh, because you have, you know, the relig- what's often the religious right who will say, you know, this is sin, it's wrong. You know, you don't get any rights because you're sinning. And then you have yeah. the leftists who often, you know, there, there are plenty of Christians on the side of the left. And, uh, but just in sweeping generalities here, they'll say, you know, Either they'll dismiss the religion portion of it or say it's outdated and say we have every right to do what we're doing. And then you have this void down the middle where there are people sitting and uh, I, you know, like 
it just, it's, it's, it's polarizing because we all believe so strongly what we believe. And uh, I think yeah. that's where the issue is coming in. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, the, the challenge for us as Christians is that we, you know, we talk to other Christians and we can say things like this is sin and all sins are the same. And we got to understand that a lot of the people that we're speaking to on this issue outside of, you know, the church that we go to even, um, they don't they don't necessarily believe sin, right? They don't believe right. that word. Right. They don't believe that well, we, we can't really use the same language. We, we got to kind of start somewhere. And so I think uh, one of the things that I try to do is, is help people to understand, like, you know, is this right or is this wrong? You know, not sin, but can you come to a logical conclusion about why it's good or why it's bad? Uh, or why maybe a heterosexual relationship would be better than a homosexual relationship? And uh, or why, you know, any number of things. And I, I really try to approach things from a logical perspective because I think that's people are looking for answers, but they don't necessarily um, they don't they don't necessarily want us to go to to God and say immediately say, OK, here's what God says. Right. Because they're going to say, well, I don't believe in the Bible. So, you know, what's next? What do you got? So I think we do have to have a, a perspective of, of that as Christians, but at the same time, we need to have some understanding of, of how we defend these things or talk about these things to people that don't really have any any understanding of Scripture. Uh, they don't have any basis for uh, what sin is or why sin is. You know, I mean, we had to, if we begin talking about that stuff, we got to kind of start from square one. Like, well, here's what sin is, and here's why, you know, why God is real, and, you know, here's what the Bible says and why we can trust what it says, you know. And, and it just becomes way too uh, daunting of a task. And, and I think that we've, we've got to get to a place, too, where we can just speak about these things uh, from an, almost an apologetic kind of standpoint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're actually reminding me of some of the conversations we have. Um, as So my, my background as a teacher, I teach in inner city Milwaukee in a choice school. And that, my whole career I have. So what a cho- I don't know if you're familiar with the school choice program or parental choice program, but essentially – uh, like you get a voucher attached to a kid's head and the kid can go to whatever school they want to within you know certain parameters. So most of our students at Saloa are unchurched students just living like living the, the ghetto lifestyle for lack of better terms. And so then they walk into our doors and we expect them to live, you know, by our rules, by God's rules. Uh, and so yeah. that you reminded me a lot of the conversations we have to have with parents and with families a lot of the time where you can't just say, but the Bible says yada, yada, yada. Um, because they don't they don't care. It doesn't like it's not a part of their daily life. They don't have faith, and so you can't expect them to live from a perspective of faith and a perspective of grace uh, if they they're not experiencing grace because they don't have any faith. Um, yeah. And that, you're right. That's something we absolutely have to remember. And it it turns a lot of people off to the logical argument when you lead with um, you know it, it is sin. You might be speaking the truth, uh, yeah. but is it helping the situation is also the question. Yep. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, or you asked a question about where is it coming from? I think that's a, uh, it's, it's a bit of a challenge to answer. I think that, um, you know, we can say we're seeing a lot of these things probably because of a breakdown of the family. Um, and certainly because of a, a lack of love and trust and following of God and his, his you know, principles, precepts, um, examples and so forth. Uh, but I would say, yeah, mostly it has to do with, with family breakdown. Um, there is a, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this. I don't remember if it was this episode or last episode, but basically the fatherless generation. I mean, we we are several generations now into where we have a culture of millions and millions of people being born without a dad in the home. And, you know, there's 
tremendous amount of confusion that comes with that. You know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What, what, do, what does a normal relationship look like? Uh, not only that, but we have divorce, which is so high. And so we have people who even have parents in the home, but they see that and they go, I don't, that just doesn't seem to work well. That doesn't resonate with me. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, issues of rejection and there's, you know, certainly issues of perversion and stuff like that in society as well, just in terms of pornography and whatnot. But I think that there's uh, ultimately when the family begins to break down, you have confusion and, uh, and you kind of grew up in the state of, of, you know, not sure how things are supposed to work. Even though we can look at it logically and say, well, male and female, that's, you know, they go together. That's how it's supposed to work. Um, there's also the, the, the kind of thing where, and I don't know how much, of a, how much this plays into it, but where, um, you know, being gay is kind of cool these days. Oh, you know, yeah. You're, you're part of the, the winning team. You're, you know, you're kind of like the underdog that's not really the underdog. Um, so you get to be the underdog, but, you know, not really have to, the same exact issues and pressures and stuff like that, that, you know, homosexuals would have had say 50 or a hundred years ago. So that's, that's actually attractive to people that want attention. And so, um, I've known a few people who have been, what I would say, obviously not gay that have all of a sudden become gay. And from the outside, you would say, well, it's influences by other people. Uh, the homosexual uh, culture really kind of tries to bring people into the fold. Um, and, you know, there's just all kinds of things going on like that. But I think a lot of it has to do with just we have a culture that doesn't know really what it looks like to be healthy and happy as male and female in a, in a, in a relationship that, that honors biology and nature and, and social progression, uh, much less God. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're, kind of what you said there is there's no model to look to um, to, you know, to, to learn and discover what being a man is and what, um, what I ought to be as a man. Uh, and when you lose that model, especially as a young, as a boy and as a young boy, uh, if you lose that model, you don't have anything to look up to. You're just looking around to see what you can. And so you have, you know, whether it be a single parent home or you legitimately, there's a boy who grows up completely surrounded by women and doesn't know what, what it is to be a man. Um, or you have, you know, men completely, oh boy, abdicating is that (laughs) yeah vacating their position as the father as the head of the household and and like you said confusion on what exactly is a man then and and i've made this argument uh with in regards to feminism a few times with uh in various (laughs) arguments and discussions um but when you have if if we really could be like jesus like if i really truly could be a father and husband like jesus and, and be perfect Nobody would yeah. have a complaint. Like there wouldn't be any issue there. Uh, it's when it's like you said, the breakdown that comes from it. Or sorry, it's a reaction to the breakdown that ends up turning into oh, yeah. these kinds of an issue. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, yes and no. I mean, that is true. Uh, or ideally, that would be the case. Um, but you know, people had a problem with Jesus, obviously. Oh, right. No, I say obviously and, we can't be perfect either. Yeah, and 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 people are going to re- respond to. To that, you know, people reject love sometimes for strange reasons, and uh, and, and they reject goodness because they they feel uncomfortable around it. You know, so it kind of makes them reflect on themselves. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it was. Now that I think about it, it was really romanticized. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that all. But that just continues to build on the point is that the sin is just as complicated. Like people are complicated too. There is no simple answer to you know what 
why are people turning gay or why are people changing their genders? It's just as complicated of an answer and complex of an answer as it would be for anything else. You can't just put your finger on this is what's happening. This is why we're tending in that direction. And a lot of people, uh, you know, especially back in the 90s, I remember there's a lot of discussion about whether or not homosexuality was uh, genetic or if it was environmental. And, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, can people be born gay? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, sure. And they can be born all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, can people be, you know, uh, through environmental influences, be, you know, become gay? Maybe. I don't know. You know, th- those kinds of things happen. It doesn't matter. You know, the the... the at the end of the day, you still have to ask yourself, is it good? You know, is it, is it right? Is it proper? Is it the thing that should be supportive? Um, you know, a test that I like to do and, uh, for people who are kind of wondering, you know, where do they stand on homosexuality or people who think that they're, they're strong supporters of, of homosexuality and they think that it's equal with uh, a heterosexual relationship is a little, little test I call, give your kids good things. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to kind of do the test now? Yeah, kind of absolutely. Show you how that works? Okay. It's pretty straightforward. So you have a, um, it's a uh, it's kind of a thought exercise, maybe a philosophical exercise. But uh, you, you imagine that you got a clipboard in front of you, mm-hmm. and it's uh, maybe it's a magic clipboard. I don't know how it works, but you basically have things on there that you can wish for your kids to have, and they'll get it, right? And so you have things on the clipboard like, um, you know, do you want your kids to have uh, good health? You know, like every parent would check that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want your kid to be uh, to have above average intelligence? You know, sure, check that box, right? Uh, do you want your kid to, um, you know, have a good personality that gets along with, well with others, but also can advocate for themselves? Okay, that's a, you know, check the box, right? Uh, do you want your kid to be gay? Uh, you know, I mean, how many parents are really going to check the box, right? Right. And a lot of people would say, well, it's not a fair question because it's, it, you know, it's just I'll love my kid either way. Well, that's not the issue. The, the question is, do you think it's as good as say? living long, you know, having good health. Uh, those are unquestionably good things. And those are things that we promote in society or we should be promoting because they're good. We know them to be good. We would want them for everybody's kid. Um, when you have to say, well, I'm not really sure, or, you know, I don't know if I'd want that for my kid, but I love them. You start making these excuses. What you're really saying is I wish they wouldn't be gay, but I would love them anyhow, or I would try to. And, uh, but at the end of the day, the heterosexuality is really the more just innately obvious, you know, better option there. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with saying that. It'd be like saying, you know, do you want your kid to be blind? You know, nobody's going to check the box, but at the same time, you're not going to, you know, hate your child, hopefully if they're born that way or however they come about it. And so, you know, that's, it's two different discussions there, but it's, it's just kind of a quick test for people to kind of think, you know, what, where do I really stand on this? You know, do I really think it's equal or do I just believe people have the right to live their life the way they want to? So I was thinking about this. It was you know, one of those deep thoughts moments while you're driving, you know, where you just like you mm-hmm. get sucked into into the drive and you're just thinking, thinking, thinking. So here's what I was thinking uh, on on the drive over here today, um, back from school, was at what where's the line from like, appropriate to not appropriate? You know what I'm saying? So obviously yeah. the the sex outside of marriage, and if it's outside of God's you know God's definition of marriage, which would be a man and a woman, it's sin. Um, but at what point, where does it turn from being just like a friend? If you take sex out of the equation, is mm-hmm. where does that relationship become a sin? You know what I'm saying? You mean, you, you mean specifically like a, let's say somebody had a uh, uh, like an abstinent homosexual relationship or something like that? Right, yeah. Is it still 
like if you're i mean obviously the lust uh plays into that yeah. quite a bit yeah yeah i think that's i mean it's hard to say for sure but yeah i would guess that that would be kind of the thing right it's like um i can have an inappropriate relationship with women that i don't know because i can lust after them right um and the same thing for for anybody else i mean if 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 you had a a non-sexual relationship um that lacks a certain level of intimacy mm-hmm. right so let's say right. you, you know i don't know I, don't, I can't even tell if you're gay at that point because if you don't have the sexual attraction um then you're just you know sort of like a eunuch or uh you know something else where you just don't you don't really have the have the desires right so i don't, I don't know if it's uh if it really kind of falls in the same line with uh with a typical kind of the scenario that you're making up. I don't know if it's easy. To, <laughs> if that scenario really exists, but maybe. Well, I, I think I think the point, that's kind of the point I was trying to make, make to myself too was, and maybe I'm just nuts, but it seems like that's kind of where, like that's kind of where you, like that's a good, strong, healthy, just brotherly relationship at that point. Or at least that's yeah. similar to it or close to what, where you'd want to be with, with a bunch with, you know, three, four guys anyway, um, yeah. just as good friends. So, uh, I think, and I think that plays into the idea too that the, it's a distorted view of masculinity, and you're looking for, like, oh, I didn't even think about this, but so when like we so we look for love in the wrong places, so mm-hmm. like I know as a sinner, like I can look around me and I know that something isn't right, even if I don't, yeah. even if I, even if I'm not a Christian, I don't know God, I don't whatever, I know something's not right, and I know that there is like. I'm I'm searching after that perfect love, and the way that we search after that, like without Jesus, it all is what it is. And so I search for that love in all kinds of different places. Some of us, you know, it's porn. Some people, it's you know, sex out, just like having sex with anybody and everybody. Other people, they're looking for a partner and they move in together and off they go. You know, other people are looking. You know, it's whatever, it, whether it's you know, an Instagram account or whatever it might be. We're looking for that love, and I think. Well, as you say, the, the homosexuality and transgender portion of it is still looking for that love in the wrong place where you're only going to find that, that perfect love in, in Christ. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, uh, and transgenderism, I mean, we haven't really talked about that much, but it, it complicates it so much because now, um, I mean, it's just sad to see that, you know, there, there are uh, families who are, you know, giving their kids uh, hormone, you know, uh, medications to stop hormone production and, you know, increase hormones in another way. And they don't realize, I mean, we, you cannot, we don't have a way. I mean, the most loving, the most pro LGBT biologist, scientist, doctor, whatever surgeon, they do not have a way. And we're probably not going to have a way in the next 50 or a hundred years uh, to convert a male to a female or a female to a male. So you're always going to be trans. I mean, that's the thing that you got to, mm-hmm. that you got to understand. And so when you, when you say like, I'm seeking, uh, self-love maybe, right? By saying, I want to align my, my gender identity, the way I feel with my biological identity, um, or vice versa. It just can't happen. I mean, you, you can't do it from the physical kind of standpoint. Uh, we just don't have the ability to do that. And so people are, are going down these roads of really altering themselves and, um, and then coming out and, and asking other people to accept who they are as a male or a female. When it's obvious to everybody else looking that they're not that, and uh, and not only that, but you know the birth, you know medical records and whatever else say that they're not that, and so they they're they're really seeking a a ruined end where they cannot become the thing that they most want to be, and 
you know, they're just setting themselves up for failure. It'd be much better for them to, to pursue uh, a psychological approach, really, where the mind is more plastic and there would be more of a uh, more of a chance of kind of getting the mind to kind of move back into alignment with the the biology that they've been given, rather than the other way around. Um, so I just thought about that. It's kind of tying into the, you know, you're seeking love and, and you're not going to find it. You know, with self love, you're see- seeking some sort of stasis with your your mind and uh, and sort of a peace, and you're not likely to find it. Um, you know, going these going these routes. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, how do you think we go about? I know neither of us is a psychologist, but how do you think we go about, you know, turning that turning the tide back to, you know, when when we're facing gender confusion, uh, how do we go about bringing boys back to being boys and men back to being men? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, yeah, you're right. I'm not a psychologist, <laughs> and uh, this is a this is a tough issue, I think. But I think that you know the first thing we got to ask is, um, you know, who hurt you? Right. I mean, we all have wounds. It doesn't matter if you were physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused. There's some hurt that comes from someplace. And something there has has caused uh, a person to basically feel rejected and to reject themselves and and to the place where they're willing to undergo major surgeries and and life altering procedures to, um, you know, to try and correct it. And that's the first question I would ask is, is who hurt you? You know, where's, where's the wound? Let's start there and, uh, and get that healed up. And I think this is a perfect place where, you know, Christians can bring God in and say, look, you know, God was aware of these things whenever that hurt came, but he's also a God who loves you and accepts you, uh, just as you are, just as you always have been. Um, not meaning that he's, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have a problem with your sin. That's not the issue. No, but he loves you and he's willing to, to offer you you know, um, his grace and his love, um, and his fatherhood, really. I mean, I think it's what so many boys need. And so, you know, I, I'm sure there are studies. I'm not well versed in this. It'd be interesting for, for people to kind of go and do their own research on this, but just to see if there are studies to see, um, how many people who are undergoing gender confusion, uh, or homosexuality come from a, a broken background, you know, or come or sexually abused or uh, particularly uh, father, you know, incest, that kind of stuff. And I, I don't want to say that that's all, that's all the cases. I don't, it certainly is not, but I think we could point to a lot of people and say, you know, the issue comes from somebody didn't love you, you know, probably your dad didn't love you the way you're supposed to be loved. Didn't give you the example of what it means to be a man. And you feel very much closer maybe to your feminine side than you do your masculine side. Well, here's some examples of what it looks like to be a man and come live like it. And, uh, and eventually you're going to, you're going to catch up now, maybe much harder than that. Maybe just that simple. I don't know. But um, I think that would be you know, a good place to start if we didn't have good psychologists to go to or if I guess we're in a kind of a place where many of them can't practice you know, that, kind of, that kind of talk, right? I mean, they can't right. try to bring people back to alignment with their, uh, with their biological gender. They kind of have to support them as they're going through the transitions and stuff. Um, but I think that's a shame. You know, I think all options should be on the table. I think if people ought to have the freedom to say, you know what? I obviously have a male's body, but I don't feel like a male. I feel more like a female, and I want to fix that. And I want to do that through psychological means, um, you know, emotional healing means, rather than uh, surgical means. I think they should have that option. Yeah, and I think going uh, even further down that path is uh, you have to remember what what uh, what makes a man a man too. Uh, it's not it's not about. <laughs> 
uh, granted, I do all of these things, but it's not about having, we're both gloriously bearded, um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not about having a beard and having lots of chest hair and hitting the gym and you know, chopping down trees and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's about something far greater than that. It's about an identity. Uh, and it's about how you approach life and it's how you live um, and, and who you are far more than it is about like that kind of stuff. If that and, and so a lot of times we like we have a tendency. I want I there's one professor I have in mind from college who was just a, kind of an effeminate guy for lack of a better word, um, and some of my classmates will know who I'm talking about. But like there there was nothing about him that was gay. He just wasn't as ma- like he wasn't your picture of masculine whatever. But at the same yeah. time, he very much was a strong Christian man who very yep. clearly. I mean, he was there at a college of ministry teaching us music and doing a wonderful job of it and making changing a lot of lives and influencing a lot of people for Christ and it was very cool um, but like you'd never you'd never call him to help you you know clean up your backyard or something like that um, <laughs> yeah yeah I mean there there definitely there are homosexuals out there that uh, and you don't see them in the media because they don't they don't get the attention but there are homosexuals out there that are that are far more you know, traditionally masculine or manly mm-hmm. than uh, some straight guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they they have they they have a, a very masculine persona, and they and it's legitimate. It's not like it's put on. Um, and then you have, but then you have the straight, you know, Christian guys who are you know straight as an arrow, love their family, and they're they're very effeminate in just about every way. I mean, you could just put a wig on them and think they're a woman, <laughs> and you know, and it's not manly. I mean, that's, that's the thing. At the end of the day, I mean, it's there's there's qualities about them that you can respect, but you wouldn't say, you know there's a man to emulate except for in these you know certain ways and you begin to put those things together um you know the the masculine you know the a bit of toughness uh a bit of resiliency um you know uh some confidence you know any, anything right you just begin to put on these virtues and you begin to kind of demonstrate what they look like as a man and uh and then you have some examples there but without that yeah a lot of people are just walking around unsure really of what what a a man looks like what that what it means to be a man especially in today's day and age yeah absolutely uh so uh anything else any other directions you want to go with this conversation here oh my gosh there's so many things we could talk <laughs> about you know I, I do want to say and i know a lot of people listening to this are probably in line with the way we think already but um you know these are these are tough issues oh absolutely. I mean, they really are they're tough issues they're sensitive um you know people are uh, there are things that Perhaps we see more clearly because we're on the outside, kind of looking in. If we know somebody personally, especially, um, but then there are there are aspects of the the kind of pain that people feel, the confusion that they feel. There's a depth to that that we can empathize with, maybe, but we can't really understand because we haven't been there. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to um, we need to hear people and understand where they're coming from, and uh, and we need to ask a lot of questions. You know, I think that's one of the things that we can always do better is. Um, you know, if we know someone who's gay, you know, say, hey, you know, when did you come to this conclusion? You know, how does that work for you? Uh, are there things about it that you don't like? You know, I mean, uh, I mean, some of the obvious things I don't want to get into, but, you know, there'd be some <laughs> some pretty obvious parts of it. I would be, you know, like that would not be good. Um, or transgenderism, you know, like uh, how does the hormone stuff work? How's that going to affect you? You know, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? You know, just ask a lot of questions. Because and legitimately, I mean, ask the questions so that you learn about them and you want to know the people. And, uh, and this isn't always like to convert them or to get them to change or hope they become not gay, you know, in six months, whatever the case is, it's really just to kind of understand where people are coming from and why they could come to the conclusions that they have. 
And I think that will give you an understanding of the depth that you're dealing with. It'll also give you some, some uh, it'll, it'll, it'll tick you off a good bit because you will see that that kind of depth does not get addressed uh, on pretty much any major, you know, social media or TV outlet. Um, doesn't get addressed in movies. It's basically, here's a person who's gay or, or uh, transgender. They're, t- they're super happy and, uh, and you just got to accept them the way they are and love them, you know, and that's pretty much it. And that's that's not the reality of of it. You know, humans are far more complex than that, right? Well, and and to kind of go back, you you mentioned it's not always about you know conversion and, and teaching them to be not gay or whatever. Um, but even even if you um, and, and it shouldn't be, you're right. Um, but even to that to that point, they're not going to listen to you if they can't stand you because you're just a dick. You know, yeah. like if you're just coming into right. the conversation hateful or like you already have your mind made up about how the conversation is going to go and what you're going to say and what points you're going to make uh, coming into the conversation. It's not going to it's not going to turn out that way because they're going to be so annoyed and offended by you um, and maybe rightfully so that, uh, you know, you just there, there is no positive direction to go with that. And uh, so we kind of talk about that a little bit too with again with, with parents because <laughs> that's my life experience uh, but like you got to dale carnegie it you know like you got to yeah. actually get to know them and have a conversation with them and uh as cliche as it is you know it's an iceberg <laughs> like yeah. if you don't get to know the bottom half of the the bottom three quarters of the iceberg you're not gonna be able to change what's happening on the surface no that's absolutely right and and kind of one last thing i'd add is you know there's uh we're often presented with like two two solutions two extreme solutions you know it's usually Democrats have a solution, the Republicans have a solution, or the right and the left. And, you know, I'd always try to ask those questions and see if you can find solutions that, that aren't be, being put on the table. Um, you know, for example, I uh, I used to sit down with, you know, some guys for lunch when I had my regular job. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd, there'd be kind of a mixed group there, people who were pro-homosexuality, obviously, and people who were maybe quiet about it, so you're not really sure where they stand. And uh, especially when the whole gay marriage thing was coming up, right? Um you know, people were kind of talking about it like, yeah, you know, I can't wait for the bill to pass and this is going to be so good for them or, or for the Supreme Court to, to prove this. And, uh, you know, and I, I just kind of threw out a third option. I said, well, what if the government just got out of marriage altogether? <laughs> you know, like, oh, wait, there's a third option? Like, yeah, what if the government yeah. just didn't have anything, any say in it, right? And so it's always good to kind of think about, like, you know, what's is there a third option that we actually agree on more than we would the, the either-or option? And, uh, and sometimes there is, not always, but sometimes there is. And I, I think this, that's what really what we should be, you know, kind of striving to just, just to at least investigate because we get so caught up in our, you know, left and right ways of thinking, and especially as these things become politicized, um, you know. The other thing I would say is that don't forget, guys, this is a symptom. You know, this isn't right. uh, necessarily the the main issue we should be focused on on yeah. a day to day basis. Most of this will be resolved if we simply, you know, can can do the groundwork of. Uh, you know, influencing men to be men in the areas that, that we're an influencer. If we focus on that, you know, it may be a generation or two, but we'll see if things turn around. Yeah. And on the political side, we should feel absolutely no need to be, you know, unless, unless you're running for office and you actually want to get elected, although you can make the argument against that too, there's absolutely no reason for us to be hardline Democrat or hardline Republican or, or, you know, we have, especially those of us who are just, you know, the lay people who aren't actively involved in, in, you know, electing or, you know, being elected ourselves, 
Like yeah. there is no reason to hold that hard nosed line on everything that the right says I agree with or everything that the left says I agree with. Or, you know, the opposite. If it comes from a leftist, you know, forget them. I don't want to listen to you. Um, we have the freedom as as Christians. We have the freedom as Americans to sit in the middle and, uh, you know, depending on the battle to choose the side that best suits us and our beliefs and, yep. and our outlooks, too. Yep. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so just, I'm curious, uh, you kind of alluded at it, and we talked about it a little bit, uh, I think it was actually before the mics were, were back hot again, uh, but what do you believe politically uh, we should be doing with uh, gay marriage and, and transgenderism and, and homosexuality? Yeah, so with the transgenderism, there's uh, some ridiculous things that are, that, are being, that are coming up, and I'm hoping that they just crash and burn. Uh, I know in Canada they're trying to get some traction. I think in New York there's some bills that have been presented uh especially related to the um the the non-gender specific pronouns you know where we're basically required uh in any kind of official writings especially like as a company to refer to people as uh instead of a he or her um to refer to them as whatever they choose to their their gender specific pronouns and there's you know dozens if not uh, more of these things that people have put out there and it's just a terrible idea i mean it's just practically stupid um, but it's also, you know, it's uh, you know, basically a violation of free speech, of my ability to say things, not say things, right? I mean, there's certain words that we have culturally that we don't say, um, you know, but I, I do it more out of a kindness or out of a courtesy, not because I'm told not to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't believe anybody has a right to tell me what words I can or cannot say. And so, and I don't want to be in an environment like that. So I think we need to be looking out for those kinds of things and, and definitely be, you know, voting against those kinds of things. My, my political affiliation or leanings, I guess it would be more of, a, I'm, an, I'm an independent voter. I'm a, um, I'm a conservatarian, so I'm so, somewhat conservative, uh, but I'm also far more libertarian, um, especially as I get older and as, as I pay more taxes, <laughs> <You know, laughs> right. uh, I become more libertarian and, you know, there's a, there's a balance there of, of trying to instill values or use the government to, to try and help, um, you know, give uh, good direction or, or help you know, solidify values in a nation. But it doesn't really hold out for the most part. I mean, it's, it's up to the people. It's up to us. And so, I mean, we've got to be the people who, at the end of the day, um, the, the right reaction by any American, the right American reaction would be, I don't want the government involved in that. That should be our very first response mm-hmm. in just about anything, unless it's defense or something like that. It should be, I don't want the government involved in that. Why? Because the government is corrupt. Uh, the government will be corrupted. It, it is always corrupt. Um, the, the, you know, the power is ours. Um, it is our freedom to choose and make decisions and to work things out. Even if it gets messy, we can figure things out. Um, so that should really be our first stance in just about anything. And far too often, and the Republicans are doing this as well, you know, trying to get the Supreme Court involved in things or trying to pass uh, executive orders and stuff like that to, to get kind of more conservative principles applied in, in government. And I think what we need is anytime we come to a, a crux where it's like the government needs to make a decision for us uh, and it becomes a voting issue, you can guarantee it's going to be a voting issue for the next, you know, 100 years or more. Mm-hmm. And we don't want this hanging over our head. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to hear about gay marriage for the next, you know, until I'm dead <laughs> every election cycle. You know, I, I don't, uh, that's not, you know, I, I don't want the government deciding what toilet I'm going to flush and what kind of light bulbs I'm going to use and who can get married and who can't, you know, we can figure that stuff out. And so that's my first, and I, I think that's the, the right, the right mindset to have. And I think that it grants the most freedom and, uh, and then it still gives the states the rights, the rights to do things as they see fit. Well, and that, 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 uh, 
you know, suspicion is the foundation on which our Constitution was written, and that's why our country exists the way it does, is because our founding fathers had that uh, kind of suspicion, and, and, you know, and rightfully so, with all the interference yep. that was going on. That's the way our country was built. So, yep. all right. Hey, I appreciate your uh, – oh, I appreciate you spending time with us today. Um, I told you it was such a nice uh, nice summer day out. Now I'm starting to sweat, so I take my words back. It's getting pretty muggy in here. Uh, but yeah. – uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sure it's not it's as not bad as South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not as bad as South Carolina's guys. Um, yeah, those uh, – it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate this. And, and I, once again, it's it's a, the type of conversation that people should – should take and throw it out, um, you know, amongst their friends and say, Hey guys, you know, I listened to this podcast. They had these points. Um, you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Right. And, and just kind of get the conversation going. And, um, and, and I think that's exactly what, what we need to be doing and, uh, not only standing our ground, but also educating, discussing these types of things. So it's, it's really good. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, this is Mike Yarborough. If you're looking for wedding rings, like a cool, uh, piece that people are going to be asking about uh go find them on on rustic in maine that's m-a-i-n uh, he makes some really cool stuff over there uh podcast and and blog wise he's with the uh wolf and iron podcast where he does a lot of cool stuff over there you wrote a book too recently didn't you i did i wrote a pocket knife book yeah. okay cool so go ahead and find him if you like what he's saying like what he's hearing what you're hearing from him uh thank you mike for being on i, I appreciate it a lot it's been fun yeah, it's been been a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at the Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at coachungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you... This podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.